Hi, this is Mark. I'm one of the senior pastors from Hope Church Malmesbury. I want to personally thank you for downloading or listening online to this sermon cast from Hope Church. We, we share these messages because they really spoke to us. We value their, their content and uh, the anointing that's upon them. And I pray that they bring a fresh revelation of God's love for you today. And if you're able to support the work of Hope Church and the cost of sharing these messages online, then you can go to our website, www.thehope.church give and follow the instructions on that page. And if you're every mum's on a Sunday morning, you will always receive a very warm welcome at Hope Church. And now, let's join today's message. Hello and welcome to Hope Online. I'm so glad you are with us here today. Today's message is entitled Miracles on Miracles and it's continuing our series, The Promise and the Purpose, our very slow walk through the two books of the Bible that were written by Luke. Now a couple of notices before we get going. What do you call a chicken staring at a lettuce? Chicken Caesar salad. Now maybe someone local can help me. I'm looking for advice on where to take my recycling. Any tips? Now maybe this is just me. But whenever I cook something in the microwave, I wait until there's just one second left on the timer and then I press stop. Makes me kind of feel like James Bond. You know, know, I can't see your faces, but I'm pretty sure I can hear some, some groaning, even from here, all the way up in the International Space Station. So if you're here for the first time, welcome to Hope Online. My name is Mark and I'm so glad you can join us. Please stay. It honestly gets better. No more jokes. But seriously, before we start, let's let's pray together. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes to see what you are doing in our lives right now. Open our ears to hear your voice and soften our hearts to receive what it is that you want to say to us today. May we see you and know you as you truly are, the, the real you. Not a wrong idea of you that is a result of our experiences and our misunderstandings. You are who you say you are. You call yourself Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. So as we read and study your word this morning, we know that it goes forth in power and it will accomplish its purpose in our lives and beyond. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Now, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the start of Jesus's ministry. His his baptism, the temptation in the desert, and then Jesus goes back to his hometown, to to Nazareth, and he's invited to to read from the the scroll of scriptures in the synagogue. Surely something that he did many times before as he grew up in that town. But on this particular occasion, he reads from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and he reads a passage that as it turns out, describes himself. If you remember, Lydia spoke about this a couple of weeks ago from Luke 4 verse 18. This is what Jesus read out. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Now the crowd in Nazareth, they, they were not able 
to accept this. Jesus said, you know, this scripture has become true right now in your hearing. And they, they couldn't take it. They, they were like, what well, isn't this? This is Joseph's son. We've known him since he was a, he was a boy. Who does he think he is? And that's the point, isn't it? Who does Jesus think he is? Jesus thinks that he is the son of God. And the people there in the synagogue who watched him grow up from a boy, maybe they, they live in a house that literally Jesus built. Maybe they've got a Jesus handcrafted dining table in their living room. Maybe the home had an extension built on it by Jesus last summer. Now, a prophet, a prophet is without honour in his hometown, Jesus says. So he moves from Nazareth to the town of Capernaum. It's going to be his new base of operations. It's on the North Sea, uh, so the North Shore of the Sea of Galilee. Then the following Sabbath, as was his custom, Jesus goes to the synagogue, like Lydia told us last week. Um, and if you remember that, that there was a demon who was cast out of a man by Jesus and he was teaching with such authority. What word is this? The people said. You know, several times the Bible records how the crowds respond to Jesus, saying that he spoke as one with authority, which was very different from the predominant teaching style of the rabbis and the scribes at the time. You see, the rabbis would teach by quoting one another. You know, oh, Rabbi so-and-so says this, and Rabbi so-and-so says that. So maybe the scripture means this, and maybe the scripture means that. But Jesus, he spoke for himself, not needing to lean on anyone else for authority or confirmation. It was a way of teaching that was quite unlike anything that people had heard before. So at this point, you know, as we get to chapter four of Luke's gospel, he's been carefully building this case to demonstrate and prove who Jesus actually is for the benefit of the reader. You know, the, bapti- the, ba- the, baptation, the baptism and temptation story placed Jesus at the centre of this conflict between Yahweh and the rebel Satan. In, in Nazareth, Jesus clearly identified himself with the promised and prophesied Messiah. And then having moved to Capernaum in the synagogue, Jesus demonstrates that he has authority over demons, those unclean spirits that are opposed to Yahweh and were oppressing God's people. And now Luke continues the story and reveals yet more about the man and the mission of Jesus. So turn with me in your Bibles, click on your apps, flick to Luke chapter 4, going to read from verse 38. So he arose and left the synagogue. So this, so this story is continuing immediately after what Lydia was preaching about last Sunday. He arose and left the synagogue and then he went and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever and they appealed to him on her behalf. So he stood over her and he rebuked that fever and it left her. And immediately she rose and she began to serve them. Now, as the sun was setting, all those who were, uh, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases, they, they brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them, and healed them. And the demons also came out of many, crying, "You, you are the son of God!" But he rebuked them, and would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. Now. I, I love how this story starts. After church, 
everyone went back to Simon's house. Man, I can't can't wait until we're able to do things like that again. So they all went back to Simon Peter's house after church, and there Jesus performs a healing miracle. Now, some might might say that uh, Jesus gave Simon a bit of a mixed blessing, because on the one hand, Jesus healed Simon's mother-in-law. On the other hand, Jesus healed Simon's mother-in-law. But but all joking aside, I, I, I noticed three things that really kind of leaped out of this story that the Bible tells us. Yeah, in Matthew, Mark and Luke, this story is repeated. You know, when the Bible says something multiple times, it must be because it's important. So this is what leapt out at me as I read this story. First of all, Jesus healed a fever. You know, it's a sickness. This is a medical miracle, not dealing with spiritual oppression. Now, having come from the synagogue, Jesus showed his ability to cure spiritual oppression from evil spirits. But now Jesus shows that he also brings physical healing that can cure you know, ordinary, earthly, run-of-the-mill diseases. Secondly, it shows that Jesus is keeping the promise of the prophecy that he'd read about himself in Nazareth the previous week. Because the Messiah was to bring liberty to the captives who are oppressed by the devil and healing to the blind and others uh, who have physical sicknesses. You know, when God makes a promise, you can trust him to keep it. And here we see Jesus doing what he said he would do. Notice, though, he's not doing it out in the open. This is in private. It's in Simon's home. He brings he brings healing in the home where it's needed. You know, following, following Jesus is costly. He, he gives us everything we need, but he demands all in return. And for Peter and the other disciples, this would involve them, you know, leaving their businesses and traveling around the region with Jesus for the next three years. But before Jesus asked that of Simon Peter and of the others, Jesus shows in a very practical way his care and his love for his disciples by healing Simon Peter's mother-in-law, which is one less thing for Simon Peter to worry about. But more than that, I think, it's, it's for Simon Peter's wife, the one who would end up being left behind at home when Peter goes off on this missionary journey. Jesus, he heals her mum. And Jesus is also demonstrating to his disciples that the kingdom of God, the, the healings, the, the blessings, the promise and the purpose of God's kingdom, it's not, it's not just for the crowds out there. It's not just for signs and wonders on the mission trail. It's, it's for you too, he's saying. It's for at home. It's for the everyday. It is for everyone. And that everyone includes the mother-in-law. And what does she do? when Jesus tells that fever to, to get out. She gets up and she makes dinner. I was wondering, what, why did Luke include that detail? I don't think it was to say that the place of women is to serve men food. Nope. That's not what he was saying. I think it, it, I mean, it shows two things, I think. First of all, it shows that the healing is complete and total and immediate. She jumps out of bed and she's full of energy. She's ready to work, you know. Yeah, why wouldn't I? Here I am, I'm strong, I'm completely healed. And secondly, secondly, and most importantly, I think, she's modelling the correct response to a miracle. You see, because 
when God works a miracle, he, he's building his kingdom. Yeah, miracles are always kingdom builders. If, if God heals you, it's because you've still got something to do here on this earth. So you better make sure you get on and do it. You know, as, as Smith, Smith Wigglesworth said, he said, Jesus doesn't heal you so you can run off to the racetrack and bet on the horses. The purpose behind your healing, or in fact behind any miracle, is to equip and enable you to pursue your calling. Yet if you're praying for a miracle that, that hasn't arrived yet, well, check your motives. Now, as, as James says, you do not have because you do not ask, and you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. See, your, your miracle is God removing the obstacle that it was standing in the way of your calling and your purpose. God, God has saved us to, to serve in his kingdom. And, and every one of us, including you, you have something valuable to contribute Something so valuable that God will work a miracle to remove any obstacles out of your way so you can get on with the thing that God has designed you uniquely to do. So, so don't squander that opportunity. Now, the Bible itself is full of miracles. I mean, there's, there's 104 um, recordings of Jesus performing miracles alone in the New Testament. You know, and, and feeding 5,000 people counts as just one. Yeah, there are miracles on miracles. Miracles and miracles. And I think God is saying to us today, you know, focus on your calling, not your comfort. Focus on your calling, not your comfort. And see what God will do in your life. Jesus said he will take care of your comfort, you know, the needs in life. But I'm getting sidetracked. That's the Sermon on the Mount. That comes later. Okay. So back... Back to Capernaum. So the word of Jesus has been spreading, okay? The people who were at the synagogue have gone and told everyone what they saw happen earlier in the day. And so as the sun sets, it's the end of the day. It's the end of the Sabbath day as the sun sets. The new day's beginning. So now people can work again. The Sabbath is over. And they swarm to the house where Jesus is staying, to Simon's house. And first in private, with the mother-in-law but now in public Jesus is healing diseases the bible says and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them this this is the first uh, mass healing that Jesus performs but it surely won't be the last and who was it who came to find Jesus all those who were sick and who did Jesus heal he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Healing is one of the signs of the Messiah. He who was to come has healing his, in his wings, according to the prophet Malachi. Now, Jesus doesn't ever explicitly come out and say, I am the Messiah, I am the Christ. But he does quote prophecy about the Messiah. He tells other people that they are right, like Peter, when they call him the Messiah. But for Jesus, his personal testimony is not what he says, but is what he does. Yeah, the, the lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear. These are the signs of the Messiah. And Jesus does them all to show that he is, in fact, the Messiah. And more than that, the healing that Jesus does during his three-year ministry, it is, a, it is a prophetic sign to the healing that's going to flow after his death 
and resurrection, that, that, that by his stripes you have been healed, healing that Peter talks about in his first letter. Healing is not just something that the Messiah does of, but you know, after the cross, after the release of the Holy Spirit and those spiritual gifts at Pentecost, we see Jesus' disciples perform healings. And, and the New Testament letters to, to the church, written and addressed to ordinary Christians, says, pray for and expect God's healing power to show up and heal the sick. Okay, back to Capernaum, back to Simon's house. You know, we're not actually ever told what happens next to all those people in the crowd who Jesus healed. Did some of them turn into his followers? Did others take the healing and run off down to the racetrack, like Smith Wigglesworth said? Or, you know, or whatever the first century equivalent of that would have been. We have these two contrasting stories. You know, Peter's a mother-in-law who gets up from her sickbed and uses her newfound health to immediately, she uses that miracle to enable her to serve Jesus. But all those people in the crowd outside, what are they going to do? with their miracle were any of those people in the crowd of 120 people three years later waiting for the holy spirit to arrive on that first pentecost and it's the same question for us for me for you what will you do with your miracle because our lives are full of miracles miracles on miracles if if only we would notice them you know there is food on the table we've got clothes on our backs if you're watching me today you are still alive at the end of a global pandemic you made it through well done you god was looking after you and keeping you safe you know you we don't see the drunk driver who runs out of petrol just up the road or the crooked customer who never manages to defraud your business or or, or that terrible date who never found you at the disco, you know, whatever it is. Your sins forgiven, your past wiped clean, a chance to start over. This is the biggest miracle of all. And it's offered to every single person who puts their faith in Jesus. Our lives are miracles on miracles. So what do we do with the time that we have, the opportunities that we are given because of those Miracles, whether they're big or small. It can be so easy to, to focus on what we don't have that we miss what God has put right in front of us today. It's miracles on miracles. And the purpose of miracles in our lives is to remove those obstacles that were getting in the way of us pursuing our calling. And the promise is that we will see miracles on miracles in our lives. If, as we live as followers of Jesus, you know, Jesus did many miracles, 104 recorded in the New Testament. But this is what Jesus said. He said in, in John 14, he says, truly, truly, you know, not just one truly, two trulys. I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. So whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. So the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus wasn't lying. 
If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And when James says we don't have because we ask with wrong motives, this is what happens when we focus our prayers on our comfort rather than our calling. If you want to see more miracles in your life and in the lives of those people around you, then focus on those things which are the obstacles to your calling, the things that get in the way of you taking part in the Great Commission. What did Jesus say? The last words recorded by him in the Gospel of Matthew, he says, Jesus, he came to his disciples and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you even to the end of the age. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that in this next season we will see miracles on miracles, that we will notice what you are already doing in our lives. But more than that, we will see a fresh and powerful outpouring of your Holy Spirit. I pray that our prayers would be so transformed that we would focus more on our calling and our commission and much less on our comfort. And as a result, we will see you move in mighty ways. Build our faith, Lord. Build your church. Extend your kingdom in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us today here at Hope Church Online. We are going to be here every week until we reopen the doors of our churches, which hopefully won't be too much longer. Let's wait to see what the announcements are like over the next couple of weeks. But for now, I'm going to close this part of the service. The chat room is going to remain open. If you'd like to pray or speak with a member of the team, just click that button, request prayer, and a little private chat window will open up and someone will, will talk to you. We'll continue to pray for you in the weeks ahead. Thank you for your prayers for us and for your faithful financial support that makes all of this continue to be possible. Now God sees your sacrifice and his promises that the seed that you sow will yield a harvest. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his shalom peace. In this week ahead, we've got our midweek events on Facebook and YouTube. We've got communion on the couch with me and Lydia tomorrow evening at 7.30. The words of hope, the Bible study of the ladies who lead on um, Tuesday morning at 10. And if you are not able to join any of those live, you can catch them up on demand. Communion on the Couch is in the Hope Church family Facebook group. Ladies Who Lead is on Facebook and YouTube. Just search Hope Church Malmesbury. Walk with God this week with a confident expectation of miracles. Be good, be happy, be healthy, be holy. I will see you soon. Bye for now.